The 2022 NFL Draft is officially over, and we dive into a recap, including some of the biggest wide receiver names traded and the top quarterback selected in the class. All that and more on today's episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so you have me, Kevin Ostriker, the host of the Locked On Ravens Podcast. Thank you for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. Of course, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is who covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we come to you now after the conclusion of the 2022 NFL draft, a whirlwind three days that saw many now rookies get their invitation to come into the NFL through the draft, others through undrafted free agency, but a lot of teams got very, very good and much better during the course of these three days. But it wasn't just through rookies. There were also big names traded in the wide receiver department, including in Tennessee and in Baltimore as A.J. Brown and Marquise Brown traded to the Philadelphia Eagles and Arizona Cardinals, respectively. We'll We'll be talking to Locked On Eagles and Locked On Cardinals about those two moves and also be talking with Locked On Steelers about Kenny Pickett in the Pittsburgh Steelers draft class as Pickett was the first quarterback selected in the 2022 class. So we'll first start off with Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles talking about A.J. Brown. Joining me here now is one of the hosts of Locked On Eagles, Louis DiBiase. And the Eagles had a very eventful 2022 draft in multiple aspects, but the big move was trading for wide receiver A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans. Louis, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Kevin. Yeah, Howie Roseman always makes the NFL draft interesting. I thought he was done. I thought he made his big trade before the draft, collecting that extra 2023 first with the New Orleans Saints, but then he trades up for Jordan Davis. He suddenly trades for A.J. Brown from the Titans. He gets N'Kobe Dean in round three. It was an entertaining draft. Sometimes it's not always for the better with Howie, but in 2022, I think it was. Yeah, and I'm going to start with the A.J. Brown trade because that was a Mm -hmm. blockbuster move during the draft after the rumors surrounding Brown and all these other wide receiver moves that have gone on. The Eagles land their star number one for a first rounder and a third, which I thought was pretty good value, all things considered. Also, the big contract extension. Was this something to you that came completely out of left field or did you kind of have an inkling that maybe something like this could happen for Philadelphia? Yeah, so I thought it was definitely in the cards when the offseason started because you heard they nearly traded for Calvin Ridley. There was a clear hole opposite Devontae Smith. I'm a bigger fan of Quez Watkins than most. I think he can be a wide receiver too in this league, but he's you know better fit to be your three. So they tried to get Calvin Ridley. They were reportedly in on Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, a lot of Christian Kirk as well, a lot of these free agent receivers and guys that were available for a trade but with Howie Roseman though he also is controlled with his aggression so you know when you heard the report about Debo Samuel potentially costing two first round picks like I don't think he was willing to go all in on a second receiver considering he had Devontae Smith already to shell out like multiple ones a big contract in the receiver market that was completely reset this year so I I was kind of in the middle I'm like 
you know, I think he's willing to do it if the price is right. But also I didn't know if those star receivers were going to want to come play in an offense that is very run dominant with a quarterback right now that has a lot of work to do still as a passer. So I don't know. I didn't not expect it, but with AJ Brown, it felt like to me it was going to cost too much. I didn't know if he would want to come to Philadelphia and I'm not sure if they want to give out that contract, but when you only have to give up a first and a third and you do get that deal done with Devonte Smith still on his rookie deal, it makes all the sense in the world. And you give Jalen hurts every reason to be your franchise quarterback. And if not, there's no more excuses. The next quarterback that comes in in 2023 is going to have an awesome offense with Brown, with Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Dale Scottert, Miles Sanders, an elite offensive line. Very happy with the trade for A.J. Brown. Yeah, it was a move I was very on board with the Eagles as well. I'm glad that they made it and acquired this star wide receiver to pair next to a bunch of talented playmakers on the offensive side of the ball alongside Jalen Hurts as well. But Louis, this draft for the Eagles outside of A.J. Brown was pretty phenomenal. One of the best draft classes, in my personal opinion. I wanted to get your opinion on it, though. Obviously, trading up one spot ahead of the Ravens for Jordan Davis, who is just a dominant, dominant interior defensive lineman. You mentioned to Kobe Dean in the third round. Great value there. I know there were some medical concerns. What were your overall thoughts on this draft class as a whole for the Eagles? It was very on brand for Howie Roseman and this Eagles front office. They prioritized the trenches and receivers more than anything outside of quarterback. So when you tell me they came away with using their first three picks on a unicorn, a defensive tackle in Jordan Davis, six, seven, 340 plus pounds can run a four, seven athletically. One of the best testers ever for a guy that size. So you bring in, you know, Jordan Davis, a star receiver in AJ Brown, you get N'Kobe Dean in the third round, I thought was a day one prospect. And then Cam Jurgens in round two, you know, it was incredible value for just damn good players that I think are going to be future core pieces at positions they value the most, as does the league. I wasn't all in, like I wouldn't grade it, you know, 10 out of 10, A plus, because I really think this team needed to come away with a difference maker on the second and third level of the defense at corner or safety. But it's really hard to argue with what they did, man. I mean, those are four difference makers, I think, right away. Even if there aren't immediate roles, you can just see that Davis, Brown, Jurgens, and Dean, if all goes well, could be players for you 10-plus years down the road. So um, a home run draft, if you ask me, and I think he won up to what he did in 2021. Right now it's only on paper, but, yeah, it's hard to really hate on what they did, even if you wanted a DB like I did. Right. And Jordan Davis gets to learn from Fletcher Cox, one of the best yeah. defensive linemen in the NFL. So that's a nice little compliment to what Davis could potentially bring. Yeah, needs potentially the draft with needs. Sometimes if you draft a guy that isn't necessarily the need, that need becomes yeah. a need two, three years down the line, then you have that player already. So sometimes it just works right. out that way. So I, I like the prospect value the Eagles got, even if every single selection wasn't necessarily at a clear position of need. And most of them were, Kevin. You know, I think Jordan right. Davis, like you said, Fletcher Cox is only on a one-year deal. You don't know what you have in Milton Williams. So defensive line, that is a certain need. Um, Nicobe Dean at linebacker is a need because your White's only on a one-year contract. Davian Taylor can't really stay healthy, so you needed a difference maker there. Cam Jurgens is the one pick I thought might be a stretch at center. They're expecting Jason Kelsey to retire probably at the end of the year, but Landon Dickerson was a center at Alabama. Isaac Samalu was a center in college as well. You have interior offensive line depth, but again, the Eagles, want they don't want to just be good up front. They want to be great, and they want to have the best depth in the league, so it's not really surprising anyway, and yeah, you make a good point. I think most of those players after at least one year are going to be significant difference makers. No, oh, absolutely. And you stack talent on talent on talent. It works right. out for you in the end. So that's something I'm excited for the Eagles about, but also the undrafted free agent class for Philadelphia 
they signed a lot of quality playmakers there, including Carson Strong, Mario Goodrich. How do you feel about that class? Yeah, I really like what the Eagles did in undrafted free agency. And honestly, that's where they've made their bread and butter over the past few drafts. Like Howie Roseman sometimes struggles on day one and day two. Like He's had a lot of bad picks in the first round, the second round, even the third round at times. But you see some of the core pieces they already have. Like Jason Kelsey was a day three pick a long time ago. Jordan Maialata, their franchise left tackle, was a seventh round selection. You know, you look at the defensive side of the football too. They have a lot of players there. Josh Sweat was a fourth round pick that just got a new contract extension. So Corey Clement, their Super Bowl hero in 2017, was undrafted. So if a guy like Josh Joby from Alabama suddenly becomes your Swiss Army knife in the secondary as a cornerback that to me maybe translates better as a safety at the next level, somebody I thought could get drafted, I saw projections sometimes that he could be a day two pick. The fact that you got him, Mario Goodrich, in the defensive backfield, I did think you came away with, you know, I hate that they didn't draft any DBs, but you got some of the best undrafted rookies that were available at those positions. And then the Carson Strong move is just really fun for me. I think it's a petty move from Howie Roseman. If he has any chance to maybe have, even if there's a 1% chance that his next franchise quarterback's name could be Carson, I think, you know, it's probably not part of it, but uh, Carson Strong, I hate that he doesn't have any mobility and he's got those knee issues potential long-term because man, Kevin, he's got an absolute whip on his right shoulder. Like his arm strength, I saw it live at the Senior Bowl myself in Alabama. It is extremely impressive. So, you know, worst case scenario, or I should say best case scenario, he becomes like a really good backup quarterback. And we know the Eagles value that spot maybe more than anybody. It's how they won their first championship. So I like what they did overall on all three days. And I think some of those undrafted kids as well could make an impact on this team pretty early on. Right. And what comes next for this Eagles team, Louie, in terms of potential free agent moves? Do you yeah. feel like they could make additional free agent moves, maybe sign a corner here or something else there? Where do you feel like they could address moving forward? No, 100%. And again, they did not come away with a DB in the early rounds of the draft. They didn't take any. Again, they took Josh Joby with that undrafted contract, Mario Goodrich as well. But um, you look at right now what they have at the cornerback position opposite Darius Slay. You got Avante Maddox in the slot. So you got two or three spots filled long term. But Steven Nelson signed with the Houston Texans, your CB2 from 2021. So you do not have another starting boundary corner. I don't know if fourth-round pick from 2021, Zach McPherson, is going to be ready. They have some other young kids that they do like. But, Kevin, they got to come away with a free agent corner, I think, maybe if you know, a stopgap like Xavier Rhodes, or uh, maybe you can get like Kevin King, who's got some upside as a former, you know, day two, second round selection. That's only 27 years old. If you can try to trade for somebody, uh, they got to come away with a corner though, and probably a safety. We heard the rumors about Taran Matthew, the honey badger. We know the saints are aggressively pursuing him right now. So do you have an opportunity at Matthew? I'm not sure. I like Jaquiski Tart, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. I think they got to come away with a couple DBs in the summer. And, you know, again, the draft isn't – once the draft ends, that doesn't mean you can stop acquiring talent. The Eagles added LeGarrette Blunt in their Super Bowl season in June when the draft board did not go their way that year at running back. And corner last year was Steven Nelson in June, who was a great – I shouldn't say a great player, but a, a great signing for the summer to be a, a starter every single week. So it's not over, and I think they're going to do some work here in the defensive backfield. Yeah, it would certainly makes sense for them to do so, but the Eagles definitely adding talent throughout the 2022 draft, both with some veterans as well as some rookies as well. But, Lou, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for hopping on here. I'm excited to see how all this talent comes together for the Eagles in 2022. Appreciate it. Yeah, Kevin, it's a good time to be an Eagles fan.
Great insight from Louie there as A.J. Brown should make this Eagles offense very, very dynamic. And a very low price as well, just the first and the third for a dynamic player such as A.J. Brown. We'll head into our first break here now, though, on Locked On NFL. We'll make it back. We'll be diving into the Marquise Brown trade, talking with Locked On Cardinals. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked On NFL. But first, let me tell you a bit about Bet Online. And for those that don't know, I am a big Denver Nuggets guy. The Denver Nuggets have been eliminated from the 2022 NBA playoffs, unfortunately. But the NBA playoffs are still going on with the Warriors playing the Grizzlies and the Celtics and the Bucks. All these great matchups in the second round. And if you want to bet on those matchups, be sure to do it with Bet Online. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online has it all for you. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. We're not going to dive into the Marquise Brown trade as he went from Baltimore to Arizona. So Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals will join us to talk about what that means for the team moving forward. Joining me here now, the host of Locked On Cardinals, Alex Clancy, to talk about another big wide receiver trade that happened throughout the NFL on day one of the draft. That's the trade of... Wide receiver Marquise Brown from the Ravens to the Cardinals. Alex, this one came out of complete left field. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, it sure did. Um, I scream things on my uh, TV I'm not proud of, uh, just kind of out of surprise and uh, what's going on here. Yeah, it's it, it was crazy to think that, obviously, in 2019, Marquise Brown, the first pick for the Ravens in that draft, the first wide receiver taken in that class now gets traded just a couple years later to the Cardinals, the Cardinals giving up pick 23. They also get back number 100, but Alex, what are your overall thoughts to this trade when you first heard it? Obviously the Cardinals having to give up some big draft capital to move to get Marquise Brown, but he obviously adds that element to this Cardinals offense that could be hard to replicate, especially with the receivers that were off the board by the time pick 23 came around. Yeah. The, the, the board fell kind of in a, in a murderous situation for the Cardinals. You know, the wide receivers weren't going to be there. Uh, they could have dropped, you know, Zion Johnson went at 17, who was the, was the apple of my eye, 14 or 17, wherever, wherever the Chargers drafted. And um, when the trade came down, I was like, okay, I, I thought two things. One, this is a good move. Two, it's a bad move for a first round pick. And there's a couple of reasons why. One, I get the history. And I, great, fantastic. That was 1,300 yards receiving, 10 touchdowns, I think, in college. That's awesome. That was 2018. A lot has happened since then, number one. Number two, Kyler Murray was running for his life towards the second part of last season. Would have liked to go off, would have liked to have gone offensive lineman at 23. And three, where is he going to fit into the offense? Like I get DeAndre Hopkins is one. AJ Green is is a fringe wide receiver two slash three. It's good that you get some infusion of young talent, but Hollywood Brown in that offense with the Ravens, pretty much in my opinion, from where I was across the country, did one thing really well, which is what Christian Kirk did well, which is take the roof off of defense. That's he's not a one trick pony by any stretch, but Kyler Murray can throw the ball really far and is accurate. Hollywood Brown can run past defenders really well and get open and get some get some um get some space we saw it week one his first game against Miami I think it was with Lamar Jackson when they put up a 60 burger or whatever it was so I'm I'm split it wasn't the need I wanted them to grab at 23 because if you can't protect Kyler Murray none of this works but I understand adding more offensive firepower to a quarterback who wants a contract who is a little uh, you know upset this offseason so I get it from both sides 
Right, and now having that offensive weapon group of DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moller, AJ Green, you have a ton of options to throw the football to if you're Kyler Murray. And with Marquise Brown, he's a player, I mean, the Ravens' first 1,000-yard receiver since 2016 when Mike Wallace did it for them. He, you're right, Alex. He's not a one-trick pony by any stretch. Does take the roof off of the defense. Does have some drop issues that pop up from time to time. Then he'll have those games where everything will stick to his hands. And he'll have those great games. But then, for example, week three last year against Detroit, he dropped three easy touchdown passes. So you kind of take the good with the bad there, but he's gotten better each and every season. And I think that kind of all came together for him in that thousand yard year. But part of the deal with Marquise Brown is that the Cardinals or whoever pays him, will have to pay him that money, that big contract. And we've seen the wide receiver market boom over the course of this off season. What do you think Marquise Brown, as you see it right now, obviously he hasn't played for the Cardinals. What do you see him being worth? And do you think the Cardinals should invest that? Obviously they invested a first round pick in him. So you think that money's probably going to come from the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, you think that they didn't trade a first round pick for a rental for sure. And that's another thing that I tweeted out. It's like, you know what? Sure, that's awesome. They picked up his fifth year option. Tell me one star, one star wide receiver that's made it to his fifth year. And I know that, I know Debo Samuel was a second round pick. I know like AJ Brown didn't make it to his fifth year. He got paid. So in essence, you could 100% be trading a first-round pick for somebody who's making $2 million this year, but you're going to have to pay $25 million next year. Like, that's that's a real possibility, especially if he has 12 or 1,300 yards receiving, which you're hoping he will, because 1,000-yard receiving, even though it's a nice thing to hit, probably for bonuses, Pro Bowl, et cetera, 60 yards a game. Like, it's not like it's this world-beating 1,500-yard season where you're, where you're averaging fringe 100 yards receiving a game. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be over $20 million. If he if he if he scores like what your project like what I was I was thinking about projection wise I'm thinking like 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns that's a lot for a second option and he could well turn into the first option DeAndre Hopkins is very team friendly when he doesn't get his touches because he's been underutilized in my opinion numbers wise since he's come over and he's been played a lot more as a decoy um, but if he can put up those numbers he's gonna get over 20 million dollars a year and and I would think. It's not going to be in two years. I think it'll be, or three years. I think it'll be in 2023 where he'll get the cheese, which is a lot earlier than signing somebody the 20, uh, with the 23rd overall pick and getting them for four years on the rookie scale deal. Right. And I mean, the way that the wide receiver market has boomed, I mean, by the, by the time Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, oh, yeah. their contracts, they would be owning half of their franchises. They could be paid so much money. For so sure. the, the market that the wide receivers have come into recently that money, it is going to continue to go up with the salary cap and everything, the TV deal. So depending on when he gets signed, that could have a huge implication on just how many years, how much money, how much total money that could be for the Cardinals. But Alex, fitting him into this offense, it's an interesting puzzle that the Cardinals now have to solve. And I think it's a good problem to have with so many weapons. But Marquise Brown, part of the good thing he can do is he can play on the outside a little bit. He can play in the slot. Where do you see him fitting into this offense in that area? I don't know. I don't like, I don't know. I think he'll play everywhere. Cliff, Cliff is kind of moved off the, we're going to keep DeAndre Hopkins on the left side of the field, every play for the whole year kind of thing. And I think he's starting to move away from, I call him the dipsy doodle in behind the line of scrimmage where it's a lot of wide receiver screens. It's a lot of end arounds. I think he's starting to, uh, Cliff Kingsbury is starting to evolve into an NFL play caller. It took a couple of years, but I think you're going to see like a dream scenario for me would be if they play Hollywood Brown in the slot and just use him as like what they did with Larry Fitzgerald with BA, you know, years ago, it's not obviously the direct comparison because uh, Hollywood Brown's only 5'9". But if you can use an outside talent inside, it opens up everything. It opens up everything, especially with DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Brown not being the fastest. It allows them to kind of be the bookends 
and then allow Rondell Moore and Hollywood Brown to run rough shot in between the tackles and in between, you know, where the X and the Y are lined up. So it's like, that would be ideal for me. And then you have Zach Ertz and Trey McBride and you have like, it's going to be messy on the field for a while until they figure out exactly where to play him. But I feel like because, as you mentioned, he's so versatile, maybe it's the slot for a couple of packages, maybe it's outside, and he'll just fill in the holes where they need it, where, you know, around where they're putting the other players in specific sets. Right. And you did mention Trey McBride. I wanted to quickly get your opinion on this Cardinals draft class. Obviously, no pick 23. Their first pick was that tight end in the second round. How are your overall thoughts on how the Cardinals did in 2022? I mean, here's the thing. And like, just, I got in a lot of arguments this weekend because I, I feel like people are misunderstanding what I'm saying. It's not Trey McBride's fault that he wasn't a fit for this team. Like, like he wasn't a position of need. The Cardinals have already signed two. I think they signed a third this offseason, tight end. Okay, so they have more tight ends on the roster than they do starting corners. And that's what kind of got me like, well, Trey McBride may be the best catching tight end in football, in college. Maybe he was in this draft. Absolutely. And maybe he wasn't the best choice for the Cardinals. Now, at this point, Steve Kime is Steve Kime is an overcorrector extraordinaire where he went from Steve Wilkes to Cliff Kingsbury, polar opposites on the spectrum. And now he went defense, defense in the first two in the first round of the last two seasons. Like, you know what? Kyler's pissed off. Here you go, kid. You got it all. Now let's see what we can do. And that it like the culmination of my weekend was, and I'm sure Trey McBride's gonna be great. It's gonna be so fun watching. Like, I'm not upset about watching football with this team. This is going to be a very fun team to watch. And they got two defensive ends who could play outside slash edge rusher in the third round. The culmination of my weekend was 55, Trey McBride. The Cardinals still needed offensive lineman, edge rusher, and cornerback in the second round. And the 49ers in our division at 61 take Drake Jackson from USC, the edge rusher, who could completely be in Kyler Murray's nightmares for the next eight seasons. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Sure, that could work. And also... The Cardinals haven't bolstered their offensive line from last season, especially on the inside. So we could be seeing the same problems, even though they have more weapons. I hope that's not the case, but a lot of the needs that needed to be filled during the draft, have they weren't. And that's kind of where my angst came from. Right. And there's still time. The free agency is still sure. a thing. You can still sign some guys. But yeah, for needs, sometimes it's best player available. For other times, it's just you pick for solely needs but this cardinals offense alex no shortage of weapons it'll be exciting to see how it all plays out on the field but that's all i have for you today thank you so much for joining me here and i think marquis brown will be a great fit and he'll fit in with kyler murray his former oklahoma sooner teammate yep and i feel like first play of the game first play of 2022 hollywood brown streaking down the sideline maybe for a touchdown a big thanks to alex for coming on and talking about marquis brown with me and that receiver room of Marquise Brown, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Ron Moore, that's a lot of weapons for Kyler Murray to throw the football to in Arizona. But we'll head into our final break here on Locked On NFL. When we get back, we'll be diving into the Pittsburgh Steelers draft class with Locked On Steelers talking about Kenny Pickett as well as the rest of their selections. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still time to talk about here on Locked On NFL. But first, I want to tell you a bit about Built Bar. And summer's coming, so with that, you're going to need a lot of food on the go. And Built Bars are the perfect snack for you to take with you on your family vacations. You can throw them in your bags and your kids' backpacks. You have to make sure everyone has a bar so you're fueled for summer adventures. And the best part is they are healthy. 
and delicious, including the Bolt Bar Puffs, the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. There are so many good flavors to mint brownies, my personal favorite, but they also have a ton of other ones like double chocolate, raspberry, etc. The Bolt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So go to built.com now and get all your favorites, such as banana cream pie and many, many more. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. You can check them out at built.com. So be sure to go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. We're back here. Our final segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostrick, your host, still hanging out with you here. We talked about A.J. Brown. We talked about Marquise Brown. But now we're going to be diving into the Pittsburgh Steelers draft classes. They took the first quarterback off the board in the 2022 draft in Kenny Pickett. So we'll talk with Chris Carter of Locked on Steelers about how he views Pickett and the rest of the Steelers draft class. Joining me now here from Locked on Steelers, it's host Chris Carter. And Chris, the Steelers had a very eventful 2022 draft. They took the first quarterback off the board at Kenny Pickett with the number 20 overall selection. How are you doing today after that whirlwind of a draft weekend? <laughs> it was a, it was insane. And it's, it's double insane for me because I also cover Pitt football. So when that happened, Pittsburgh exploded. Like there's, if you look it up on Twitter, there are like videos of people just jumping up for joy in the South side. Pitt fans are ecstatic because they loved Kenny Pickett. I mean, Kenny Pickett, you have to understand from a Pittsburgh perspective, he's from New Jersey, but when he came to Pitt, he came in his first game, he takes a first start. He takes on undefeated Miami in 2017 and pulls off a crazy win. And then from there, he grows into a guy who becomes the third leading Heisman vote getter by, by the time he's finishing a pitch, shatters all of Dan Marino's records, breaks Deshaun Watson's touchdown record for the ACC and gets Pitt its first ever 11 win season. Now, the factors that make Kenny Pickett the, the, the pick that they like his accuracy, because I I'd still say he's the most accurate of his class. He reads the field better than anyone in his class. And he steps up in high pressure situations. Everyone knows about the fake slide, of course, but there were several tons of plays that he made to get pit to that point where he could make a big play like that in, in, in the ACC championship. So the Steelers clearly valued that. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that they would go with him. All the things that I had heard, all the things I'd seen when they were at the Senior Bowl, when they were taking guys out, all the vibe was Malik Willis the entire way. They it seemed like they really dug him for his upside and everything. But can't, people got to remember, the, the, the Pitt football team works in the same building as the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're literally, like when I go when I go to work, when I'm going to cover cover them on the same day, Pitt's on one side of the building. When Steelers are when they're done and Steelers are ready, I come out of the pit building, go into the Steelers, and it's literally right there. So the Steelers get first looks at all of the pit players. So like they like they knew who Aaron Donald was when he was come up in the draft, even before that. They're looking at Aaron Donald's nephew right now, who plays who plays for Pitt right now. So that's something that I think that the Steelers, if it was their value, I didn't think that they would go that direction. I also thought. They might try to trade up and get one of the defensive stars like Kyle Hamilton, who the Ravens drafted, or Jordan Davis, who went to the Eagles. Yeah, just an overall, I think, with the first quarterback going off the board in Pickett, there were a lot of conversations surrounding, would it be Willis to be the first? Would it be Pickett to go? And the Steelers had their pick, and they went with Pickett. Do you think that was the right selection based off of what you know about Pickett and what you have observed? 
I think it was. I like Pickett for his leadership. I like. I think he's the most NFL-ready quarterback right now. I like the idea of Malik Willis's upside. I'm not going to lie. If they had gotten Malik Willis, I would have thought that was like fine pick as well, even though he ended up going you know, much later to the Tennessee Titans. But Kenny Pickett's a guy who comes on the field, and I think one thing the Steelers really want now is a quarterback who reads the field very well. That was a weakness of Ben Roethlisberger for several years before he got better at that. What he made up for it with was his cannon of an arm and his huge body size and his ability to just kind of make up things on the fly. Kenny Pickett can do that on the fly thing, but he also is very good at when teams showed cover two or cover three and they're disguising it for something else. He's able to recognize it and avoid it and, and, and still make the solid play. The biggest weakness with Kenny Pickett to me is his deep ball can sometimes flutter when it gets past four to 45 yards to 50 yards and sometimes he'll, un he'll under throw those passes it worked out for him in 2021 because Jordan Addison was a spectacular wide receiver for Pitt but in the NFL that those kind of passes will get you in trouble with 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 more athletic and better defensive backs still I think that the, the whole point here there for the Steelers is they know they're about to be more of a running team with Najee Harris. So all Kenny Pickett has to be is a good, solid quarterback, hit the intermediate passes, hit the short passes, make the smart reads, and don't kill your team with turnovers. He had 42 touchdowns to seven interceptions last year. I think they like that kind of a ratio. Right, and even if the Steelers do move to more of a run-first offense, the Steelers got Kenny Pickett some weapons in this draft with George Pickens and Calvin Austin. You also have the Steelers putting together another brother combination with Cam Hayward's brother. <laughs> the Steelers draft class, Chris, how do you feel about it as a whole with Pickett and the other guys Steelers were able to secure? I really think there was great value in getting George Pickens when they did. A lot of people said that this guy has a ton of upside, maybe the most upside of guys who didn't like get to put together, you know, a, too many full seasons in college football because of injuries and other reasons. But George Pickens is very much the kind of guy the Steelers like. He's feisty. He blocks hard. All screams Heinz Ward type of stuff right there. He goes up and gets the football, has great hands, great athleticism, runs solid routes. He's got he's got things to refine, but they love this about him. He's six foot three. He has great size, and he completes your top three receivers with Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Um, and then you go and you get Calvin Austin, a pure burner. Now, one thing about that I think is going to be very interesting is how they use Austin because you can see him. He can line up outside or or, or in the slot, and he can beat you at speed. But the Steelers, they loved to use those jet sweeps that Matt Canada has drawn up for years. Matt Canada, he used to be the offensive coordinator at Pitt back in 2016 when they were the only team to beat the, the Deshaun Watson-led Clemson Tigers. He did that with a lot of jet sweeps to another fast receiver at the time, Quadri Henderson. Now, Quadri Henderson didn't translate to the NFL because his speed wasn't that fast. But you put it to a Calvin Austin who runs a 4.32. At the at that, That's a guy who I can see, okay, if he's flying like that, that's going to be a problem that when you, when he's coming in the backfield or he's in motion, every team has to watch him because if you let him slip and he hits a crease, he can hurt you for a big play. So I, I like the ideas and the offense they did there. Connor Hayward, he was a guy. If you're watching the Locked On Steelers podcast, almost every week I mocked him to the Steelers in the sixth or seventh round. I was like, he's going to be there and they're going to get him. Why? They love brothers and they love Cam. And Connor Hayward also is very interesting because he's not just a fullback. He's a third tight end option and a special teamer. That's where they love to pick those guys. And he's going to be able to help out there for cheap for, for four years. If he's good enough, he replaces Derek Watt, frees up some money for you. But it is crazy because now the Steelers have four sets of brothers with the Hayward brothers, the Watt brothers, the Edmonds brothers, and the little-known Davis brothers, who was a seventh-round pick last year. And uh, his brother was, uh, was signed in the middle of the season, Khalil, his twin brother, actually. So that's going to be a wild story going into camp. Yeah, that's, that is unbelievable. But actually, a really feel-good story for all those brother combinations. So I'm excited to have now not just 
three brother combinations. You had a fourth there with the Hayward <laughs> brothers. But Chris, now that the draft is over, this almost like second-ish wave of free agency begins, the post-draft free agency wave. The Steelers already participating yeah. in that wave with Demonte Casey. So what does that signing mean for the Steelers? And could you see them making any other moves as free agency kind of goes on here post-draft? Oh, absolutely. I, I truly think they went and got some interesting undrafted free agent running backs, but I really think they're going to add a veteran to this room at some point. They, I know that they were not happy with the production from, uh, from, uh, from Benny Snell last year, and they want to have a solid number number two behind Najee Harris. Now, Mateo Durant was all of Duke's offense last year, so there's excitement that maybe he can become that number two guy, but you don't put much much money down on a uh, betting on an undrafted free agent. So I can totally see them saying, hey, you know what? We're just going to stick with you. We're, we're, we're going to go get, go get a veteran, add to the room somehow. But also with adding KZ, I think he solidifies the safety position. There was a lot of talk about Tyron Matthew. I'd say that's that's been done. But you have Edmonds back. You have KZ back. You add that with Minka Fitzpatrick. They still have Miles Killebrew and Trey Norwood. Their safety room's fine. And with those top three guys, KZ, Edmonds, Fitzpatrick, they have the three-man safety rotation that I've been saying that I think that they've wanted for for all for, for, for a while now after Terrell Austin was, was promoted to defensive coordinator their next big need to me is still a cornerback and they could use another guy there and there's still joe hayden who's floating around in free agency i'd be very curious to see if they kick the, if they say hey joe what's up and, and they and they bring him back one more time um even though joe hayden I mean, he's he's up there he doesn't have the same athleticism anymore but the leadership the you know the 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 football iq the technique all of that's still there and in a room where you have a bunch of cornerback twos and akella witherspoon levi wallace and cam sutton i think it wouldn't hurt to bring back a veteran who's been a cb1 and see how you can help mold this group of cornerbacks but those would be my top looks there they may add another offensive lineman but um I, I i really think the steelers addressed a lot of different things they needed they had to get two wide receivers in this class they had to get a quarterback and they they drafted their fourth quarterback in the seventh round who's really going to be just a camp arm um, but I, I like what they did. The biggest thing now is can Stefan to it return? There's some of us who think that he actually might, but there's it's very up or down because the Steelers have been very quiet about all of it. All right. Well, the Steelers certainly adding plenty of talent throughout the three days of the 2022 draft, adding another safety as well. So they have certainly beefed up some of their positions. And as a Ravens guy, I'm excited to see this team go up against Pittsburgh twice per season. And if there's one thing the NFL's learned about the Steelers team, you can never count them out, especially with Mike Tomlin at the helm of that franchise. But Chris, that's all I have you today. Thank you so much for joining me. And hopefully we'll see Kenny Pickett success in the NFL or have that success, but it does remain to be seen, but he, Got a lot of weapons around him for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. Chris brought great insight there, talking about Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, and the rest of that Steelers draft class. So a big thanks to him for coming on here and talking with me, all things Steelers. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on NFL. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to get back here tomorrow. We'll be diving in to another episode with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we will see you back here tomorrow.